Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, Film Geeks, today's $2 Tuesday is all about the menu and how films like to tackle social commentaries. So let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. And this is $2 Tuesdays, the series where we talk about movies we haven't talked about before. And today we are talking about The Menu, this 2022 film that came out last fall. I almost missed it. I almost missed it. So let's kind of backtrack a bit. So if you've been with me a minute, you know that I go to the movies every single week, sometimes two, three. I've been in the movies four times in a week. But I go to the movies quite a bit. This is what I do. I review new movies. And it's the only thing I enjoy doing that really costs any money. I'm very simple, uh, but I love to go to the movies. I, I genuinely enjoy it. And getting to add my love of film analysis plus going to movies like I'm living kind of the dream right now I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing right now so it's I'm getting off track but I go to the movies every single week that started right about last August when the invitation came out it was that movie that kind of started me going to the movies every week not on purpose that was not the intention it just so happened that every week at that point was there was a movie coming out that I wanted to see and it kind of became a thing for me on TikTok doing these little three-minute TikTok reviews it was about October. I realized, holy crap, I've been in the movies every single week. And then me being me, I'm now I got to challenge myself and make sure I get to the movies every single week. There has to be some sort of mental disorder that comes along with this. I don't even know. But yeah, it, it became a thing. I have to go to the movies every single week. And I enjoy it. It's a bit of a challenge. And it also kind of pushes me out of my comfort zone a bit because now I'm pushed to watch movies that I ordinarily probably wouldn't watch because not every week is a blockbuster. Not every week is a horror movie. Not every week is a movie that's in my wheelhouse. Well, so there's the upside to it. I'm seeing all these movies that are coming out. I'm seeing movies that I probably wouldn't normally watch. But there is a downside to that. The downside to going to the movies every single week is that you see these same trailers every single week. I remember at one point, uh, there was a movie that I wasn't too, you know, kind in my review towards and someone um, asked, you know, 
asked in a comment, you know, well, were the trailers at least good? And I said, I go to the movies every week. I see the same trailers over and over and over again. And it's always exciting for me when there's a trailer I haven't seen, but very few and far between. At this point, when the trailers start rolling, I, I'm still playing on my phone. I play on my phone up until the movie starts. So if you see, the, I'm one of those people and I'm sorry. Yeah, but I, I get bored. I've seen them all before. There's nothing new under the sun at this point. And last fall, you know, going to the movies every single week, seeing the same trailers, you know, every week, I'm pretty sure I saw the trailer for the menu every single week. Every, it didn't matter what it was. There was a trailer for the menu. I could recite the thing from memory at that point, And I was kind of over it. By the time the movie came out, I was kind of over it. I was just happy that I wasn't going to be seeing the trailer anymore. So I almost missed it. I almost made the decision to not see it. But it was like Thanksgiving weekend when I finally decided to see it. So I didn't see it the week it came out. I think I saw it the week after. Ended up seeing it like Thanksgiving weekend on a Friday. And so glad I did. Now, here's the thing that really pissed me off about this movie is it's excellent. It's so good. Honestly, it's one of the best movies from 2022. And yet it received almost no love come award season. There were two acting nominations, one for Ray Fiennes and one for Anya Taylor-Joy. But other than that, I felt like it should have received more love, more attention, more nominations, especially in terms of acting, cinematography, music, editing. Like it was just such a well put together, crisp little film and very little. It's about an hour and 45 minutes and it moves so very well. It, it just is very seamless. It gets to the point very quickly. And it's a wonderful little social commentary. And that's what impressed me the most, most about this movie was the fact that it was a social commentary. Now, I've had a couple of things to say about social commentaries, not so much the presence of social commentaries, but just the way in which they're done. And they're not always done very well in this, you know, 21st century era of making movies because so many movies, especially in the last couple of years, it seems that everyone has an agenda they're trying to push, a message they're trying to push, and it comes across in films. And instead of, you know, taking this message and wrapping it in somewhere inside of a, a plot and letting it kind of bloom. The way I think social commentary should be done, now follow me for, for a second. I feel like, you know, you have the ground, you have a garden, and that's your plot. That's your plot. The flowers blooming, trees, what have you, the weeds coming up and the social commentary, the social point you're trying to make, that social issue you're trying to touch on should be a seed in that garden. Instead, you have this garden that is a plot and a lot of these social commentaries, instead of being a seed in the ground, it's the greenhouse covering the plot and it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work when it's over, when the direction is very much heavy handed and the director is spending way too much time trying to make, trying to make sure you understand the point they're trying to push instead of letting that story tell itself and letting that social commentary bloom in the way it's supposed to bloom within the story and just kind of letting it happen naturally. It, it, it turns me off. It pushes me away. I don't quite like it. Now there's another movie we're going to talk about come October where the opposite is happening in that instead of that social commentary, that social point being a seed, it's very much the greenhouse. But what I love about this movie, it is very much a social commentary from the very beginning to the end, but it's a seed. It's a very well-crafted seed that doesn't act so much like a flower, but it's a weed and it kind of chokes the plot, but in an almost satisfying way. Yes, I know what I just said. 
But that's it's it's something about the way this movie kind of weaves together a social issue and ingrains it in this plot and allows these two things to kind of work together organically. So it's very clear. Now, here's the thing with social commentaries when it's done right, because what irritates me is when the director is trying to force me to feel a certain way instead of letting me be objective and then come away subjectively. A social commentary, the way I see it is you have the director who's or writer who's trying to make a point, who's trying to say something, but what the audience gets out of it may not be that point. And that can be the beauty in it, that what you're trying to tell me and what I get out of it are sometimes not the same thing. And that's where I got lost with Barbie, because I was so caught up and tr- caught up in trying to figure out what the director was trying to say. I completely forgot to get something out of it. Does that make sense? But this movie, The Menu, really doesn't allow for that space to happen for you to forget to just sit back and take it all in. The director clearly has something they're trying to say, but they take what they're trying to say and they weave it and turn it into a plot. It's so beautifully done and beautifully put together. So what is this movie about? This movie is about wealth inequality and it is about the haves and the have nots. And even in the midst of that, the, the struggles that can come into that, especially for people who work in some sort of service industry, especially when it's a industry in which you find a lot of passion. And we're talking about cooking. So Ray Fines is in this film. So let's let's backtrack for a quick second. Make sure we're all on the same page. So this is the menu came out last year, um, 2022. It was initially released in the Toronto International Film Festival, September 10th, had a release date of November 18th. Oh, that's my mama's birthday. And I believe I saw it the next week. Now, they barely broke budget on this movie, um, barely broke even, I should say. So it did all right. It did all right for its little theater run, but I was very upset that I didn't get more attention. But this movie stars Ray Fiennes, who who apparently I've been mispronouncing this man's name my entire life. Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, Hung Chow, who had a great 2022. She was also in The Whale. Janet McTeer, Paul Adelstein, John Luizamo, Amy Carrero, Reed Bierney, Judith Light, Rob Yang. Loaded cast, a very loaded cast. And... Where do you even begin? Like I said, th- this film is so well paced. It moves very well. It gets to the point very quickly, about an hour and 45 minutes. That's how long this movie is. And so we start off immediately. So again, this movie is about wealth inequality. And that point is kind of introduced to us very early on. We have this group of people who are waiting for a boat to arrive and they immediately have this air of wealth, status, and abundance. And they're getting on this boat to go to this restaurant on an island called Hawthorne's. And the uh, big celebrity chef is Julian Slowick or Slovic, and his sous chef, his second in command, played by Hung Chow, whose character's name is Elsa. I don't know why her name being Elsa um, made me laugh a little bit, but whenever I hear the name Elsa, I don't immediately think Frozen, but that there's something about that name that just kind of speaks a certain kind of stoic strength, and that's very much Hung Chao's character. She's very controlled and stoic, not a whole lot of emotion, and she's very much in line with her boss, her mentor, so to speak, because Ray Fiennes, our, you know, celebrity head chef is 
a master at the grill. He's very good at what he does. He's put together this elaborate and beautiful menu because for him, it's not just about the food, it's about the experience. And here he is creating an experience and it's all a part of the menu. And the way they talk about the menu, it's not just a list of items, but it's a plan. It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the evening. So you have these people who are full of wealth and abundance. You have um, a couple that goes there all the time, it seems. They, it's one of their favorite places to eat. You have two people who are food critics. You have um, three people who are kind of like influencers or, you know, um, have their own little show, so to speak. And then you have Nicholas Holt's character, who was a bit of a dingbat, bless his little heart, Tyler, who is kind of a foodie. So he is all about, you know, taking pictures of food, putting it on his social media, and he desires to be seen by chef and to be liked by chef, um, very much seeking the approval of others and wanting to present himself in the best light. And then we have Margot, his date played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya Taylor-Joy had also had a good 2022. She was in The Northman with Alexander Skarsgård, and she was also in Amsterdam playing opposite Rami Malek. So we get into this movie, and the way this movie is separated in acts is separated by course, courses. So we have the amuse-bouche, um, which gives us a quick intro into some the, the personalities of these different guests at this restaurant, these patrons, so to speak. Very quick, just, just enough for us to kind of gauge their personalities, where they're at in their lives, what's going on with them. And the when they said a mousse-bouche, it, it tickled me a little bit because the only other place I've ever heard that phrase, a mousse-bouche, was in the movie Red Dragon, which Ray Fiennes was in. That was actually my introduction to him as an actor was that movie playing a serial killer. And here he is in this movie. Um, golly, he plays a good villain and he plays a good complicated character. He has a way of playing someone who is clearly off his rocker or evil to some extent, but yet you can find some sort of sympathy in some of you know him as Voldemort. More so than anything else he's ever done. That's a big one. He is Voldemort. And in this, he's not so evil. He's not so sociopathic. He's not so, so, so crazy, but he's definitely a man who is worn down and he's at his wits end. This is a man who has had enough. He's had enough and he's staring at these patrons, these people, these partaker of his meal who will basically just ingest it and not really appreciate it. He's lost his passion. This is a man who loves to cook. Now, my brother is in culinary, graduated um, with an associate's degree in culinary. He's always loved to cook and that was always his dream was to be a chef. So, I mean, it's crazy though, because we were taught to cook by the same person, our grandmother. He took to it. I did not. OK, like like it, it made sense to him. I do just well enough to feed myself and not burn the house down. OK, like I know how to eat healthy. I know how to put together a meal with a meat and a starch and a, you know, a vegetable. Um, but he knows how to take food and make it a work of art. Now, his forte is more so baking than like food, food, but he can do it all. So a lot of the culture here is a slightly familiar to me because of conversations I've had with him. Um, I always mess with him a bit because he can be a bit of a snob. <laughs> he can be very much a snob. And it's like, bro, let me burn my eggs in peace. Like, leave me alone. I'm sorry. Um, it's just... 
I don't know if you've ever met somebody who's very passionate about anything, there is a bit of a um, stuck upness about it, a, a snobbery. Um, I'm sure when people talk to me about movies, I, I have that air about me as well. I'm passionate about this. So uh, just there's something about it that just kind of lifts up my chest. And I guess it can come across as me being a bit too much. I don't know, but he, he gets like that. So the attitude of this chef with respect to his craft, I understood it because my brother can be like that. My brother has a passion for food. He has a passion for serving people food. He has a passion for creating works of art on a plate. And it's not just food for him. There's a history behind it. There's a story behind it. So as he's serving these different meals, these different courses, there's a story behind it. There's a history behind it. And as we get more into it, it gets a little more demented. As we learn a little bit more about his history, this childhood of abuse, a mother who happens to be there, who seems to be a bit of an alcoholic, and the time he stabbed his dad with... um kitchen scissors. So he serves them this little beef thing with like sewing scissors stabbed into the middle. And it's like, okay, that's a little odd. That's a little weird. Um, hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't quite understand, like, what that is. But at the same time, they're like, oh, this must be the theater of it all. This is part of the experience. It's part of the performance. They haven't quite caught on that this is not right. Now we have the amuse-bouche, which gives us kind of an introduction to the patrons, a little more of their personality. We get something beyond the surface, which is the the wealth and the status. And now we get it, we're getting somewhat into the core of who and what they are. And then second course is where we start to get an intro into chef. 
we get we meet this man who's very tight and his head is always up and he clearly has he knows how to say the right words to sound passionate but you can tell the passion has left him it's gone and he's staring at these people who don't give a brown rat's behind about what he does or the artistry behind it and he's just defeated he's defeated and he's decided that he's done he's over and he's just going to take everybody out with him and he's going to send a message He's sick of the have and the have nots. He's sick of people who just consume in abundance. He's sick of people in the service industry being taken advantage of. He's sick of the divide, the haves and the have nots, the here's and the there's. And he says, you know, we're all in this one place and we're doing this thing together. It's all part of the menu. This movie does a great job of giving us a lesson about inequality, showing it to us in a way that's palatable. It's funny. The movie's hilarious. It's demented. It's, it's a dark comedy, if I've ever seen one. It, 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 it's there. It's right there. Dark comedy, very much so. And yet we're learning a bit about ourselves watching this, wondering what place we have. Are we with the cooks? Are we with the other chefs? Are we there consuming? And being served works of art with beauty and splendor in our faces. And we're just not appreciating it. We're not appreciating people. We're overlooking beauty and treating it like it's simple. Now, what I find interesting about social commentaries, especially when you have directors who just let it breathe, is not only are you getting what the, you know, the director is putting down, you're also able to see yourself in it a little bit. You're also able to get something out of it because we're all different, right? We're all coming from different places. We all, we all have different experiences. So even though we're all looking at the same thing, we're not all going to see it the same way. So it's always interesting having conversations about good movies that really speak to the culture and asking, what you get out of it? What did that speak to you? You know, I've done customer service my entire life and I hate it. I hate customer service. I'm good at it. I'm very good at it. Um, very good at it. it. It's a skill that I've learned to hone, but I hate it. God, I hate it. Now, most of my customer service, I've done a little bit of retail. I think working at a bookstore is probably my favorite, mainly because I was surrounded by books and I love to read. So getting to talk about books all day, what it helped to help to make some of the more, um, hard moments of retail better. I have worked at a movie theater. So getting to talk about movies, recommending movies, telling parents, no, your child should not go to Piranha 3D. Like stuff like that. It's fun for me, but I've done call centers and God, I hated working at a call center. Hate nothing I hate more than working at a call center. It is the app. If you ever have to call in for customer service, be kind to that person on the other line. Cause I promise you, chances are that person cried on the way to work. That person is going to go to the bathroom and cry. That person wakes up every day, absolutely dreading their life because it is hard, ugly, nasty, depressing, monotonous work. That was my little rant. So just to let you know, the next time you call customer service, be kind to that individual. Cause I promise you, they hate their job. They wake up every they wake up every morning and they hate it. And on top of that, I'm just going to continue the rant. Your schedule can be inconsistent. You know how blessed you have to be working at a call center to have a Monday through Friday normal job? That doesn't happen very often. I think I've had that maybe once working at a call center where I had a Monday through Friday job. Now my schedule was like an 11 to 8 and then I got actually got it moved to a um it was like an 8.30 to 5.30 kind of deal. And that was so much better. 
but it was still Monday through Friday. So I had a normal work week, but I've had jobs where the schedule was different every single week. Sometimes I had Tuesdays off. Sometimes I had Thursdays off. And on top of that, PTO is non-existent. You accrue PTO, but it's so little. It's enough maybe for you to get a doctor's appointment, but God forbid you ever want to go on a vacation. So yeah, people who work customer service, it's hard. It's hard work. It's, it's definitely hard work, but it takes a certain level of skill and empathy. And I'm very good at it, but God, do I hate it. So I understand his frustration of being in an industry that he enjoys and loves and he's good at it, but losing the passion for it. And at the end of the movie, we have this moment between him and Anya Taylor-Joy, because we later find out that Anya Taylor-Joy's character, Margot, and Tyler, Nicholas Holt's character, they come together and we think they might be a couple. It turns out they're not a couple. She seems to be an escort or a prostitute of some kind. And he's hired her, the woman who was supposed to come with him, his ex-girlfriend. You know, she broke up with him right before this trip was supposed to happen. And here she is on this ill-fated journey that she had no idea what was to become of it. But yet there's something about her that our chef identifies with. He recognizes her as being one of him and gives her opportunities to get away from the crowd because he says, you're not supposed to be here. You, you're you not good for the menu. You were never supposed to be here and gives her opportunities to not be a part of them, but to die as one of him. Does that make sense? You know, be who you are to the very end. And they kind of find some common ground and she helps him read this. It's a moment. It's such a small little stupid little moment at the very end. And it's damn near five minutes, barely. But she helps him rediscover his passion. And it's such an interesting moment. This is why I really feel like he should have got does he should have gotten more attention for acting because he's very stoic this whole movie. He has one face this whole movie. He's very put together, but it's forced. He's forcing himself to be this person because he doesn't know how to be who he used to be anymore. And yet she presents him with this opportunity to rediscover his passion for cooking. And you see the switch in his face where he goes from being this haggard, tired man to this young kid who's just learning how to cook. It's a beautiful transitional moment in his acting. And, oh, I wish he'd gotten more attention for it. The movie's the movie is incredible. The movie is amazing. It's beautifully shot. So, again, for those who know, I went to, I don't want to say film school, but I did study film in college. And it was, how do I describe it? So when I first got to the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, Greensboro, North Carolina, the department was called Broadcast and Cinema. So this is like 2005, 2006. So radio was still a thing. So we had our own radio station. Podcasting was just coming up. So we definitely had tracks for radio, um, broadcast television, and then film. I was in the film track. I started in production, realized I hated setting up lights. So I switched out of production and went into writing and loved it. Learned how to write screenplays. And I do remember one of the classes that we offered was like a food photography or filming food kind of class, because that in and of itself is an art. That's difficult. It's different. It's difficult. It's mastering close-ups like that and being able to capture something so close and yet bringing out all the details, the colors, and the visuals. Because food isn't just, you know, look at this pretty little hamburger, but it's capturing, you know, the look of a greasy hamburger or the sauce, you know, caviar and showing all the different colors and stuff like that. It's an art form in and of itself. And golly, was this amazing. So this movie wasn't just like watching this drama unfold, but at times it felt like watching a nice commercial, a nice advertisement for 
the food. So the the food photography was amazing. Again, the pacing, I can't get over just how quickly this movie gets to the point. So we have our mousse-bouche, which gives us an introduction, right, to the patrons. We have the first course where we get a little more introduction to chef. Second course is breadless bread. And that's when we really get a hint. That's kind of the transitional course. That's where we really get a hint as to what this thing is about, what this movie is about, where we really get to see this is about class differences, because we're talking about how bread was the food of the common folk, the food of the poor folk. And he's like, y'all are not common folk. Y'all are not poor folk. So you get no bread. So he serves them a breadless bread plate. And it's just the sauces that you might, you know, dip bread in. And they're all very confused. They're like, okay, is this part of the thing? Is this a gaffe? Like, what is this? It, that That's when they're, you know, the light bulbs start to come on that something's a little off. Something's a little different here. But, you know, we have Tyler, Nicholas Holt's character, who is just such a dimwit, who is just so just into the entire thing, doesn't seem to notice anything's wrong. But we later find out that he is not surprised by any of the craziness that's happening with the different courses is because he knows what's going to happen. He knew all along what the chef was planning and brought Margot the Innocent, who's not quite innocent, apparently, along for the ride. I say not so innocent because we know what she does for a living. So that that, that crazy little paradox is interesting because she is an innocent in all of this. And yet she's not so innocent. This, you know, that that human beings are complicated and complex. I love it when movies are just human. Third course kind of happens and it's when their secrets are exposed, when they start to realize that they weren't just invited just because they were invited for a purpose. You know, we have our three um, kind of influencers who see proof that they've been stealing from their bosses. We have the couple that goes there all the time and one of the, they're, they're, it's tortillas. It's like little taco tortillas or whatever. And on these tortillas are laser printed pictures. So the three guys, it's proof, it's spreadsheets that show they've been stealing from their bosses. You have the couple where it shows that it looks like he may have been having an affair. And then you have the food critics showing them pictures of businesses they've destroyed because of their critiques. And you have John Leguizamo, who is just the actor, showing probably the worst movie. Apparently, he's uh, apparently it's like the most notable film he's been in, but the chef didn't like it. So, yeah. So it's they're being exposed. And Tyler, when he receives his tortilla, it's a picture of him taking pictures of the food. So someone at that restaurant was taking pictures of him and they were specifically told to not take pictures of the food. But of course, him being a sneaky little rat, he took pictures of the food so he could post it on social media and get a little bit of clout. Like, look at me. Look where I am. Look how awesome. I'm just riding this guy's you know, tailcoats. And yeah, they, they're being exposed in a very passive aggressive kind of way. And then we get to the fourth course which is called The Mess. And it's sous chef Jeremy Luden. And he is standing on this tarp. And then there's like this tarp behind him and he shoots himself in the mouth. And that's when things take off. That's when it all gets crazy. That's when they realize, holy crap, what's happening here. And that, that it, it happens so fast. It happens so quick. And after that, it's a pretty much roller coaster ride 
of a movie. And it's all about people being exposed, people being shown for what they are, shown for their wealth and, you know, their wealth and their abundance. And it's not just like wealth is bad, but how wealth can change people, how wealth can damage people, how wealth can rob people of their joy and their passion and their humanity and their empathy. It's a beautiful little movie that, again, it it does all the right things. But what I love the most was that this movie took a social issue and turned it into a beautiful commentary that spoke speaks volumes and can speak to anyone. Just the, what's the word? The universal lesson here. I think it's hard to ignore. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to me rant and rave about yet another movie. So that was The Menu. I just think it's a beautiful example of a social commentary and I wanted to talk about it. So you'll get another Tuesday review flash back throwback next tuesday as well if you are a paid subscriber to my Substack, you should already have access to that episode so i, w- I would have head over that way and check it out but reviews that are coming up it's been a a, a very scary movie spooky season filled september we had none too haunting in venice it Lives Inside comes out this weekend. And then the next weekend, we have The Creator, which is more sci-fi with John David Washington. Really looking forward to that. And I'm freaking ready for October, y'all. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm only There's only one movie coming out in October that I'm like uber, super ready for. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm so ready. Uh, I'm ready to just get through September. I'm just ready to get to October. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Uh... <sighs> Can you hear it in my voice? The excitement. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So let me know what you think of the menu, what your thoughts were, if you saw it, if you've seen it. I just want to hear from you. Let me know your opinions, what you got out of it. Like I said, you know, there's always something the director or writer is trying to say, but a good director and a good writer will let the story breathe and tell itself so that you can get something out of it. You can make it a little personal. So what did you get out of it? Let me know in a comment section somewhere. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for your time, your patience. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And I will see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.